Hi. Hello. I'm Alex. And I'm Val. And we're here to talk about Live Free or Die. Sopranos. We talk about The Sopranos. We talk about Sopranos, we watch it, and then we talk about it, and then we put it out for you to listen to immediately after because we're procrastinating and can't do this in advance anymore. So Mm. (laughs) if you're wondering what time we recorded this, it's basically exactly when it comes out. Not quite. It's a day before. Pretty much. <laughs> but, we used to be better. We used to like stockpile, but now we can't do that. Yeah. Uh, it's been busy. Uh, live free or die. We were just driving through New Hampshire this past weekend. We were just driving through New Hampshire this weekend. But I don't think the town of Dartford mm, really some... exists. Right. Um, which is maybe part of the part of the whole. Um, I don't know. Yeah, part of the whole intention of it, I think. It is kind of like a right. weird fairy tale land. It's like where Main like, Street USA to me. Yeah. And yeah. it kind of plays into that idea of like every town USA, like it's supposed to not. But also it's this, real. I mean, it's this kind of like haven for all these gay men who he sees around, right? right. Which he doesn't see in his circles, obviously, right. or in his community. But here they like, you know, can go for breakfast together. And, and they are can, boring. And are boring together. <laughs> or they can, you know, be around antique shops, right? right? And so they're living free. Vito isn't able to do that, except kind of in this fantasy. But he's kind, kind of, of contemplating world. it, it seems. Yeah. Like in the end, when he sees Live Free or Die, it seems to be that's kind of. Those the are, that's his option. Well, Those that's, are it's his so options. literal yeah. for him at that yeah. moment. I mean, basically, he can go back and die, and I think he recognizes that, or he can attempt to live free. Yeah. So he's kind of been forced into that situation. Yeah. It is interesting, too, because for me, there's definitely a parallel between what Vito's going through and the fantasy that Tony had of being Kevin Finnerty. And I feel like the two characters mm-hmm. are kind of tied together, and Vito's going through his own kind of fantastical journey right now, even though it's just New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting, like, the fact that we kind of, like, that the show starts to follow this journey of Vito at all. Yeah. Right? I know. He kind of comes out of nowhere. He's not a central figure. Um, even, you know, this season where they do start to focus on him a little bit more. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not one of our key characters. And so the fact that we kind of go on this journey with him and we have his point of view being in Dartford and... Um, you know, and his point of view quite literally when he like scopes out dudes' bodies. Right. You know, um, is an interesting choice for the show, I think. Totally. Yeah, it's definitely, and I think it got some flack, I think, at the time because it does kind of come out of nowhere at such an important kind of climactic point of the entire series happening in the last season. I like it though, because I think it's it's unexpected. I like it, and it's but I think it also helps us to delve deeper into these issues of identity Definitely. that have been coming up all season. Definitely, and I think it's kind of almost like a case study in, you know, who are you really? And I think where are you lot, going? Yeah, I think there's a lot yeah. more going on with this storyline than I gave credit to the creators for before. It actually seemed like one of the more kind of literal narrative developments in the show Mm. that happened where it felt like, oh, and now Vito gets outed as a homosexual and he goes to New Hampshire and here's the fallout. But I think there's actually a lot underneath the surface to kind of get at that ties into the way that we tend to kind of watch and talk about this show on this podcast. I actually think it 
is perfectly situated in the final season because mm-hmm. it's actually bringing to light who people are. Mm-hmm. And it's actually kind of And not up, just Vito. Yeah. Yeah. And tying up a lot of the themes of what America is, what principles are, what kind of exists in these different orbits, the orbit around Tony and also outside and what it means to live within the world of the, of the mob um, and uh, also to escape it. So I actually think it's kind of perfect. And, mm-hmm. and this episode in particular, while watching it this time, I was kind of blown away by how much actually is going on and just how clever the creators are. It's great. I mean, even like that idea of live free or die, taking it from the New Hampshire state motto, it, it really does kind of tie everything up in terms of what Vito is going through at that moment. And it that kind of like mm-hmm. fantasy world that they create within New Hampshire is perfect. It's a lot better than as we were driving back through New Hampshire. It's a lot better than any other uh, state motto that they could have chosen. For instance, if they had chosen Maine, they could have called this episode Lobster. <laughs> <laughs> their license plates say Lobster. <laughs> well, that's not their actual state motto, though. Right. That's it's- true. Dorigo, Dorigo. Mm, right. But if Vito was in Maine and looked out, he would just see lobster. Lobster. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe that would have been a better move for him. He likes food. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was one of my biggest questions left from this episode. I usually save questions like this till the end. Mm. But when Vito, you know, when the guys show up to get Vito, yeah. right, Benny and whoever else is with him, that big bald guy. Right. Um, he then goes and stops at home, which seems like a pretty obvious, if you're like really chasing someone down, yeah. seems like a pretty obvious place to go and find them next. But then somehow between going home and, you know, being in the car on a winding road in New Hampshire, he got some ribs. Right. Where did he get those ribs? <laughs> well, I guess he's also off his diet. <laughs> While he's eating lots of Johnny Cakes. Right. Lots of Johnny Cakes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, my actually, so like I had a question this episode that I kind of took for granted other times. Does Vito know that that's why Tony's after him or like that's why those guys come after him? Or does yes, he? I think so. Or does he think that it could be like some of the shady stuff he was doing with like light packages and like kind of. Like that's a good power, point. Like power seeking. Uh, that's a good point, and that's an interesting idea, but I definitely think it's because okay. those guys saw him. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I that's... definitely think that that's the reason. Okay, and he that, that's why he's hiding the out. implications yeah, you're of right. that. You're right. Yeah, no, I think it's definitely coming out of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I actually... I wouldn't have thought this, but I actually think it's a... Before, if you had asked me, like, as we were going into watching it, how pivotal is this episode, but I actually think it's a really important one. And I mean, even I probably could have got a hint by knowing that David Chase was involved in writing it because there's not many examples of David Chase as a writer where right. he doesn't stand out as having some sort of kind of important purpose right. in the grand sense of the series. Yeah. Uh, and this one kind of had everyone. It was like Terrence Winter, Robin Green, Mitchell Burgess, David Chase. It's a pretty good team. Pretty good team. Tim Van Patten directing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... I think there's I think there's a lot to get into. I'm not even exactly sure where to start, but near the beginning, one thing that I was thinking about was like this idea of the in, the interpretation of Vito being gay and how Vito, sorry, and how Tony kind of processes it mm-hmm. and is dealing with the inner kind of conversation about 
how he needs to act mm-hmm. on it. Because I think it's reflective of the time. Mm-hmm. The 2006, I think they said it was. I think it's indicative of who Tony is. I think it's indicative of the, the culture and the world that Tony lives in. Mm-hmm. And I think we also get a window into how different characters who are kind of a part of Tony's orbit to varying degrees respond to that question. And Tony is kind of in the middle and dealing with it. And we're kind of privy to his inner monologue about it. And I think it's just really interesting and really revealing about different characters. So like the idea of all these characters talking about Vito in the back room of the Bing, when Chris kind of reveals this discovery and then the cut to Meadow at the South Bronx Law Center kind of dealing with different issues of race, identity, biases, and how she's kind of being engaged with certain biases that the other character... Biases? Is that correct? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) But... um, I guess so. But... She's being in, she's being confronted with these different biases that the other characters don't even really deal with, but she's kind of coming up with her own opinions about them. And then we actually cut again to this breakfast conversation from there, where now Meadow is with Tony, and she's actually talking about these ideas that she's kind of forming. Mm-hmm. And as the episode goes on, actually, I feel that Meadow is kind of outed as a bit of a hypocrite, but I want to get into that later. Mm-hmm. But Meadow is bringing some of these ideas from outside of the mafia world Mm -hmm. and kind of confronting Tony with them. And that kind of sets up the episode, the play on Tony's ideas about, is it really so bad that that Vito is gay? What does Mm -hmm. it mean? What should he do? He's being confronted by those ideas from Meadow. He's being confronted by Polly, who's now like a hardliner who's like out for blood. Even still kind of recognizes what a big deal this is in the family and reformulates it as a business problem to Tony so that he'll kind of understand. So he gives it to him in a different way so that Tony could kind of come around. Yeah. So it's just a really interesting evolution for Tony and how he deals with Vito's sexuality and what he should do about it. And I thought it was a pretty like key part, key theme in the episode. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think it, we, we do have kind of these circles that we've been used to getting maybe like further infiltrated by the outside, like kind of like as the Soprano kids get older, um, as kind of, yeah, time passes, right? We have, you know, with 9-11, for example, like we have kind of this infiltration of people's comfort zones, right? Where like they're being forced to grapple with things that have really like typically been outside of their comfort level yeah so like the guys with Vito, although they do say like he's not the first guy right like and they talk about the whole like you know prison thing yeah which is interesting right and again like it also goes back to that hypocrisy like is this okay in some scenarios and not in others yeah um we have you know met like you said meadow bringing in these different ideas um yeah, it's kind of, it's just like kind of being forced to look at issues from another perspective and I don't think these characters are all that good at that. Tony no. is actually in some ways like out of all the guys in the mob like he's really he to me seems like the only one who's really giving it a second thought. Yeah. Um they're all like, "Oh, he's gay, like let's kill him." Yeah, like, pretty Cr- much. Chris is like, "I would like to do it personally." Yeah. You know, like It would be an honor. Um and Tony's really the only one who yeah, I mean, he, I, I think I wrote something down here. Yeah. 
Um, he talks about with Melfi, he's talking about like second chances and stuff like right. that, right? And so like he had this second chance, so why shouldn't anyone else? But then he mentions that it's like when the when regular life right. starts picking away at that, right? Like it, right. it lessens your capacity to be this kind of like happy wanderer or right. um, yeah, someone who believes in that kind of stuff. There's also a connection there, like Tony saying, I had a second chance, why shouldn't he? Mm-hmm. The connection between Vito and Tony as characters and mm-hmm. also our On these focus. kind of like identity journeys. Yeah, yeah, on a focus on both of them because Tony did get a second chance. Why shouldn't he? Well, will he? Because that's kind of the question that's being wrestled with. Like, does Vito get a second chance? And all signs are kind of pointing to, no, he shouldn't get a second chance. Mm-hmm. Whereas Tony is kind of in a situation where he has. Mm-hmm. And there's also just more reinforcement of connection between Tony and Vito in season 6A. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot too. I mean, in terms of kind of following that thread of bias and culture, mm-hmm. um, even shortly after that breakfast scene with uh, with Meadow, after she was at the South Bronx Law Center, you have Chris and Tony. Tony asking Chris, like, do you think those guys were Al Qaeda, referring to the people who had the gun deal going yeah. through? And Christopher says, I don't think so. And then his they like rationalization a, for Muhammad has a dog, so I don't think so. Yeah. So like their characteristics of that group are it's it's just so elementary. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. really make any sense. Like they probably could be playing into terrorism and a national security threat mm-hmm. and they're just being lazy about and it and we've kind of had some hints that do tell us that right like he sends all his money you know home and stuff like that right i mean the reasons that chris throws out really are meaningless and that's something that tony is ostensibly really interested in is this like idea of being against terrorism like mm-hmm. having like that value and i think that one thing that's really important in this episode is the idea of values and principles and what mm-hmm. they mean. And I think that the way that the mob deals with Vito's sexuality kind of reveals what their morality and their principles are, which is fascinating because throughout the whole show, the question is, do these people have any real principles or morality? Mm-hmm. It's set up in the very beginning that there's this code, it's falling apart, and that's kind of the setting for the whole show. But mm-hmm. as time goes on, there's not much that they really stand for other mm-hmm. than themselves and mm-hmm. making money. But this does kind of seem to be a red line, this idea that Vito is gay. Like, that's probably, like, the most animated and the most caring we've seen these characters throughout almost the entire series. Like, it's it's a really big deal to them. Yeah. And I think that that's really fascinating. I mean, Carlo says it's a sin. So, I mean, first of all, the fact that they're, like, referencing Religion Catholicism and, yeah. throughout the episode and talking about it as a sin and talking about their principles and what is okay and what's not is really interesting because there's not that much that crosses a line for them. No, and like it's so, I mean, again, to go, I'm sure we're going to talk more about hypocrisy, but it's like, uh, like, don't be gay is way less written about in the Bible than don't kill people. Right. Right. You know, like, it's just kind of like, okay, sure, pick and choose, you know, yeah. like what suits you. But, right. Um, yeah, Tony's like, don't forget I'm a strong Catholic or whatever when he's yeah. with Melfi. I think that that idea of principles is really important. And as we see Vito leave New Jersey, we see him kind of fall out of the orbit of the mafia and the principles that they have and how the way that he lives his life doesn't work anymore. So, for instance, like when he gets to the inn, 
the idea of him offering money, offering cash as a tip to the innkeeper who wouldn't accept it is indicative of no, him. No, she says she takes cash. No, no, she takes cash, but she doesn't accept the tip. He's like, this is for you. Oh. And she doesn't take it. Right. And I think that that's kind of how everything operates in New Jersey around the family. People can be bought off. And yet there's a world outside of that that we don't really see where you can't buy people off. Yeah. And you can't just give them money and get what you want. Yeah. And what we're going to see is Vito kind of navigating through that world and seeing who he is when you strip that away from him. Which is a really interesting idea, I think. And I think that it kind of plays into that idea of this new environment that he's in. That we see him now in this town in New, in New Hampshire. Um, similarly, I'm really fascinated. Another connection between Tony and Vito is that in itself, again, is so reminiscent of In at the Oaks. And the house where we see Tony go. Kill Tony Blundetto. No, no. Yes. Yeah. And the house in the dream where the Livia kind of Exactly. There's is, so many houses yeah. that actually look like that. And spoiler alert, I guess. But in the last episode, they actually constructed a mural in the back of Holston's where the final scene is. And I'm not giving anything away to say that oh there's, my God. there's a house that looks a lot, again, that's similar to the Inn at the Oaks, to these other like... I'm giving it all away. In the last scene. Big spoiler. <laughs> Everybody freaked out because... There was that house There was that the house mural. on a picture <laughs> yeah that's what all the fuss is about really i think it's important to think about though because even if it is your first time as you're watching that's clearly like the most important yeah. part of the entire show and they choose some very interesting symbols to kind of reinforce what they were going for in my opinion at the very end and i think that that kind of white house with the porch is a very potent symbol and at a minimum it's at this point, just kind of connecting Vito to Tony on this spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. He ends up in the rain at this inn. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it is, for me, it kind of represents something like very essential in people's identity. Like it's like this home inside right. of you where you you really can be who you are, right? Or like mm. the, the things that, the things that make you who you are live there. Maybe. Um, for me. Interesting. Um, like, uh, yeah, it's this, it's this very deep part. Like we don't, we don't see places like that in this show often. Right. Mm. And so when we do, they are in this kind of like otherworldly way. Right. Even, even this, I forget what this inn was called the bed, the bed and breakfast where Vita stays in mountain, right. Some white place. mountain, right. something like that. Um, but yeah, like they they exist in these places where you, know, you have potential to kind of delve into some of those those things too. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's also an association to the afterlife and the eternal. Mm -hmm. And I think again, that's another thing that's connecting Tony to Vito. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of focus actually, and I don't want to get off topic, but there's a lot of focus again, as there has been all throughout this season, on trees, wind. Shots including trees, shots yeah. including greenery blowing in the wind. Well, but actually, the one the one that we haven't had for a bit that we had a lot in this episode. Maybe you're going to say the same thing. I was going to talk about the water symbolism. I have a different one actually. Oh. Even, well, even like to set up the inn. Obviously, there is the water, but like when he's driving and he throws his phone, there's a cut, and then we actually focus on trees in the rain and the wind, mm -hmm. and it actually moves over from there to the point where he's actually blocked by that tree, mm -hmm. which actually reminds me of the end of season one i believe where the tree Tony, falls the, the tree falls and in the rain and the storm they have to go to 
um, the restaurant. Vesuvios. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but more importantly, like that focus on nature in a shot and then that leads him to the inn. There's kind of a focus for me on this is a matter of life and death for Vito and he's contemplating these bigger issues. And I think yeah, that's the Yeah, it's interesting how thing. he like gets over the wood that or the tree that's fallen in the road, right? right. Versus Tony and his family, right. right? He like busts through it. I mean, it busts his car up, but right. um, he gets through it. No, but the water for me, again, like you were talking with the Eternal, like we do see, I mean, we have this huge storm that Vito is heading off in. Um, we have Tony by the pool or in the pool at multiple times this episode, even reading a yachting magazine. Mm-hmm. He sure um, is. And then we have this scene where Vito, I guess, goes on a hike. I don't really know how quite he gets to this <laughs> Contemplating this the place. waterfall. But when he's like looking into this like churning, bubbling yeah. water, um, you know, we see a lot of characters in this show... Um, taking showers, going in water, kind of this concept of like absolution or um, purity, maybe like baptism, like these kind of like purifying symbols. Yeah. Um, And I think, I don't know, I really, I saw that there. I mean, it's linked, I think it's linked to what we were talking about with like eternity and the trees and the wind and stuff like that. But it is this kind of like, what, like, what is it that you can do to, I don't know, yeah, like to purify yourself or to like cleanse yourself of the things that have been in your past to kind of like have this go on and have this different identity or integrate your identity in with yourself. It's kind of like being born again, if we want to say it that way, the water symbolism. Well, think about, I mean, there's no shortage of like ablution-like symbolism in the show. I mean, going all the way back to like Vin McKayzian. Totally. There's characters who are taking showers at pivotal moments in their arc. Yes. And I think that that's playing into Vito too. And this is a moment where there's potential for him to change who he is. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the crossroads that he's at. Yeah. Yeah. I think, okay, so one thing that I thought was really interesting was this idea too of kind of Main Street USA being kind of like representative of any town in the States and the fact that it's completely outside of New Jersey. But there's there's a lot of kind of imagery that I, I just found a little bit interesting. Like you have the construction worker actually, like who Tony's talking to on the phone wearing this USA cap. It's a very kind of like picturesque US town for me. There's There's just kind of, there's something for me that's kind of reinforcing the Americanism that's being examined in this show. Like, what is America? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to be an American? What are the values of an American? What is it to live in America? Mm -hmm. There's just, there's, there's multiple moments that I just thought were kind of interesting. And, uh, it was interesting for me to see Vito trying to incorporate himself into that kind of caricature of an American town. That's not New Jersey. Mm-hmm. That's outside of that world. And even, yeah, like the construction worker and Tony, like this is kind of going more into the kind of like preconceptions and kind of like masculine ways of dealing with homosexuality. But the way that they're kind of going back and forth, making gay insults against each other that Tony picks up. And ultimately the fact that Tony is aggressive to this guy means that because he's like, calling him gay Mm -hmm. he eventually doesn't get the phone and it gets crushed by the 
by the roller. Uh, but yeah. like there's these two guys and he's wearing this USA cap and they're kind of going back with this kind of like aggressive, macho, mm-hmm. anti-homosexual banter. Mm-hmm. There's just, there's something for me there in terms of like what, how these values live in America. And I think it's also related to the snapshots that we have of Muslims mm-hmm. and these ideas of how are certain groups being dealing with kind of like a harder time in the country and how do certain people see that mm-hmm. and how do some people not even think about it? Mm-hmm. Because I think certain people and have stay so kind of like isolated. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that for instance, like these issues confronting Muslims in, you know, post nine 11 America aren't really even on Tony's radar. He doesn't even really care. And he's also come from a background where the ideas about homosexuality are so kind of reinforced and so strong. Yeah. And it's at a kind of turning point maybe for the country where Tony is, has some internal turmoil and he's thinking about it, but he's kind of oblivious to the yeah. other kind of groups that are being persecuted. And so for me, there is just this kind of question about how does America deal with these groups yeah that's kind of inter kind of getting into this episode well i think it's interesting like i in other viewings had kind of questioned um agent harris's role in this season right we like see him a couple times show Mm -hmm. up at satrials with this stomach bug um but it's the fact that like he's moved on from looking at mob related crime to looking at terrorism issues right and then we we see that too, like, um, again, kind of in this hypocrisy, right? Like that there's like, like when Meadow, for example, talks about this family whose son got just picked off the street by the FBI, right? Um, everyone's like, Tony's playing a small violin. He's like, you know, but like he and, you know, Johnny Sack have been both picked up by the FBI, Tony right before Meadows graduation or whatever, Johnny Sack, you know, being allowed to go out for his daughter's wedding and then being, you know, embarrassingly carted away. Right. Um, And so he can't see how like that, those things that have pained him are also painful for other people. Right. right? Like you can rationalize other people, the reasons behind it for other people, but you can't rationalize it for yourself. It's like kind of impossible to do. We were talking a lot this weekend for other reasons about hypocrisy just generally and whether or not it's really possible to see your own hypocrisy. Like if we're all just so trained to believe our own thoughts that it's impossible for us to see when we're being hypocritical. Right. And I think that's true for these characters too. And I know we'll get to talking about Meadow, but I don't, you know, I think Meadow is hugely hypocritical in this episode with, you know, this work that she says she's doing, but then, you know, that it doesn't apply to her family. Um, Yeah. And that really, you know, like in order for her to really be separate and have her own identity, she would have to think differently about that. Yeah. Or in order to like really do the work she needs to do. Um, both in the Bronx Law Center and in this like white collar crime, which is really inter- law firm. interesting, yeah. like this introduction too of white collar crime and yeah. those kinds of criminals or those kind yeah. of people who are dealing with the law. Like, there's just a lot of focus on different groups dealing with persecution in the U.S. and how they all deal with it. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating to see where Meadow is going. And for me, I don't know if we want to talk about it right now, but for me, that's like one of the pivotal 
developments in this mm-hmm. episode that I don't know if I realized in the past how important it was, but I think that Meadow has a really important development mm-hmm. to her art. We can talk about it now. Yeah. I mean, I think there's multiple moments that really kind of bring Meadow back into the Soprano orbit and make her hypocritical in the same way that her family is mm-hmm. and make her more and more complicit too in their actions. Mm-hmm. And there's just some really key scenes, I think, that really establish who Meadow is and who she's kind of becoming and the trajectory that she's on. And I don't think yeah. it's good. No, I mean, she outs Vito. Well, which is fascinating, too, because for me, that's super revealing of Meadow as a character. Because in the past, when Finn came to her, she's like, Vito's harmless. I can't believe you're talking about this, like this again. This is ridiculous. And yet... When she's talking to Carmela, she's saying, Vito warned Finn. Yeah. You know, so yeah. she, she, you know, she has a different, she clearly internalized it, but didn't let, didn't kind of give credence to Finn's feelings. Mm-hmm. And yet she recognizes that Vito isn't harmless, I guess. And that Finn didn't come forward because he was warned by Vito in this like intimidating manner. So that's really interesting. The fact that she brings it up to Carmela, there's definitely kind of a, there's just, there's a, there's a hypocrisy there. Yeah. Why does she do that? Yeah. I mean, it just kind of comes up, I guess, but. No, she had, she had a choice. She was like intrigued by the gossip. Yeah. Like, what, like she knows, she knows what would happen to him if. I don't know if she knows. I mean, I think she's repressed think she these does. things. I think she knows. But that that is the question because I think that she knows more than she's let on. Mm-hmm. That's what is coming out in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, because now we've seen her talk about this in two different ways. Mm-hmm. And I think what it leads to is that scene where Finn is with Meadow near the very end of the episode just They're before... In the movie theater house. You know, yeah, just before <laughs> Vito basically sees Live Free or Die and the episode ends. Like, that second last, yes. that penultimate scene yeah. is so important for me because there's so many things that happen in that short amount of time that show us who Finn and who Meadow are and where they're going. And, you know, Meadow comes out and now she's been working on this white collar crime and she seems to be connecting with it Mm -hmm. she seems to say as well as this muslim family issue like you know yeah yeah. it's but we're left with her connecting with the white collar crime i know yeah and we're left with her rationalizations of basically saying oh this guy was pretty smart and Mm -hmm. you know if this guy's getting away with it why you know this this bullshit about johnny sack this isn't fair about my dad yeah you know and this classic line that we've been hearing tony say you know like oh i'm not a criminal like those guys are criminals yeah like these business people like they should be locked up which completely negates the realities of what your family is involved in and finn doesn't support her rationalization um and he has a really key line you are on your high horse about justice they're gonna meet her. Sorry, they're gonna meet it out themselves. And then Meadow responds, "This is untenable." Mm-hmm. Which Finn is starting to realize who you know, Meadow is. Yeah, but I mean, like the fact that Meadow would come out with this kind of holier than thou kind holier than of thou, like, yeah, yeah, diatribe about yeah. justice. Yeah, and at the same time, Finn is realizing these guys are outside of the realm of justice. So you can't apply that to your family no. because these guys are basically gonna do whatever they want. And the realities of what they're going to do to Vito for being a homosexual, a homosexual, which isn't a crime, mm-hmm. is going to be severe. Yeah. And Finn recognizes that. And Meadow is completely 
blowing him off. And actually, in the end, says this is untenable. Like that relationship yeah, like, can't you're exist. Annoying. Yeah. No, basically. but she's she, yeah. or she's recognizing that they're incompatible, mm. which is fascinating because Finn is just challenging her, mm-hmm. and she needs to be challenged. I mean, if there's anything we know as an audience is that the Soprano family is it's it's not good. I mean, there's it's like it's not a good. They're not good. They're not contributing anything of good to the world. It's it's uh it's complicated, but you know it's kind of the show that invented the antihero. Mm-hmm. Like in 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 so many ways, like these characters that we love because we're so invested in them are terrible people. Mm-hmm. And Meadow had this the opportunity to get away from that. And mm-hmm. I think at times she did start to drift away from that, but I think we're starting to see her kind of get pulled back in. Yeah. And Finn, I mean, to give him credit, I think that him challenging her on those ideas and him challenging her holier than thou, getting on your high horse about justice is extremely important. And her response is, this isn't going to work basically. Yeah. So I think that really reveals where Meadow is heading yeah. as a person and where her arc is leading. Yeah. I just think I just think it's a really important scene. Yeah, no, me too. Because it also, like, for me, it also highlights the fact that, like, it is kind of untenable for there to be relationships kind of outside of this circle. Like, when mm-hmm. we talk about second chances, when we talk about, like, you know, like, who, like, when we ask questions, like, who would Tony be if he wasn't in the mob? They're just kind of, again, like, fairy tale right. questions, right? Right. Like... No one's like they're not able to sustain relationships with people who are outside of that um, because of the I don't know principles or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call them morals that are within this community. Um, they kind of like speak their own language and like it's just it's not it's not compatible with the rest of the world and the way the rest of the world is changing and thinking yeah. at the time of this show. Right. Um, yeah. No, absolutely. So for me, it's a little disheartening about Meadow. I mean, I've been on the non, you know, Meadow's a shitty character train the whole time. Not a shitty character, I shouldn't say that, but like I believe that Meadow's in her. that I Meadow. Know, yeah, just I at know. that point, no, Jackie Junior's death. I feel like not not even like I believed in her. Like my reading of the show is that there's a time in her yep. development where she is asserting her own kind of individuality, and there yep. is potential for her as somebody to break out of this chain yep. because this show is so much about fathers and sons, fathers and daughters, the generations, the way these principles and these, this lack of morality kind of seeps through the generations Mm -hmm. and and is endless. There's kind of a chain and we see how it happens. Mm -hmm. And yet Meadow kind of had everything given to her, had every opportunity. And yet she's still in my opinion, falling back into this. Yeah. So Tony didn't have that, right? Because one of the key questions of this series is, well, he was born into this. Mm-hmm. So how much is his responsibility? Well, Meadow and AJ have been sheltered from this mm-hmm. almost completely. Mm-hmm. And AJ... More so than Tony was anyways. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, I mean, you can't be completely sheltered, but they've been brought up in a separate world than the mob world. Yeah. Whereas Tony didn't have that. Yeah. And, I mean, AJ isn't really prominent in this episode, but I do want to talk a lot about him throughout this last season because I think he's a very important character. And I think that it's easy to watch this show and just kind of see him as a bit player and kind of a 
annoying adolescent, but I think he's a lot more than that. And I think Meadow is the same. It's easier to kind of read into Meadow's importance, but I think those two are two of the key key characters in terms of interpreting the messages of this show. Yeah, no, totally. I really do think that. Totally. It's interesting, the line, kind of like you mentioned, like, you know, fathers and sons and stuff like that. Um, the line where Tony was talking with Melfi and she brings up like being a good boy, like why, right. why he's stuck with Junior, right? And it's like, you know, he wanted to prove that he was a good boy that a mother wouldn't hate. Right. And so, you know, it's like, again, kind of with his identity journey, right? And like, all, you know, every character, I mean, every character in the show is on some kind of journey. Uh, you know, how much they're cognizant of that journey about their identity or not uh is a question but we do have a lot of characters who are like actively grappling with that and so like what what does being good look like in soprano world looks like something very different from how it looks in the rest of the world right right? like like being a good boy for olivia right would look very different even than it does for carmela or that it does for like anyone outside of the soprano orbit Totally. Um, we see Carmela in this episode really grappling with her identity, right? Like we, we've we seen her a lot trying to establish herself as having this separate identity from the mob, right? Like with her spec house and her real estate thing. And, you know, and we see her that really she's still just, I mean, she asks Tony twice in this episode, did you talk to the construction guys about having the permits or the license or whatever yeah. it is that they actually need? Uh, she's really tied. And we see her looking at Angie Bonfinciero mm. this episode a lot, who, you know, has taken on, she's wearing this, like, leather jacket. She runs this, you know, pussy's body shop. She's interacting with the other mob guys. I forget who's yeah. there in her office. Parisi and... Yeah, Patsy Parisi and, and Benny, Benny, I think. Yeah. Um, so we see, like, Carmela, I mean, she doesn't say this outright at all, but it, she really does, you know, she's seeing how she's different, right? And kind of, again, like, she's tried so many things to kind of get herself out of yeah, her the image that other people would have of her, right, as being this mob wife and the image that she has of herself. And she's really tried to escape that, and she really, she really can't. Right. At all, right? Like, even with the, you know, separation and things like that. Um, We see her constantly being pulled back in. Totally. And the interesting thing, too, is that Angie doesn't really separate herself from that. No, she embraces it. Yeah, she embraces it, which is a very different thing. And it's interesting because, like, Rosalie says, you know, she was one of us. Now it's like she's one of them. Yeah. So, again, there's, like, this question of identity. So, I mean, how far has she really ventured out? She's basically just gone from being a mob wife to a mobster. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's difficult for Carmela. Yeah, like... Because can you do anything else besides right. that? Right. But I think that Carmela's reading it, it kind of the wrong way. Like, she sees her as being... I mean, it's hard to know her feelings. I'm yeah. sure it's complicated. But yeah. there's this kind of feeling that, like, oh, she's successful. Like, yes. she's gone out on her own. We saw Carmela yeah. with the car, the Ferrari, or whatever it was. Right. And that's that was, like, a point of contention yeah. between them. Like, that was difficult for Carmela because Angie had a better car. Yeah. Um, but realistically, Angie has just embraced that tie to the family Mm -hmm. she's basically just operating the same way pussy did yeah yeah um also yeah like that that conversation where it's brought up by the mob wives that Vito and marie separated and angie bombacero is just not involved 
because she's on her phone. She has to leave. Yeah. She orders food. She has to get out of there. Yeah. So again, it's just really kind of establishing her as somebody who has a different identity than she used to. Yeah. And that's interesting too, to see how the identity can shift for these characters. Yeah. Even if it's seemingly large, but it's not, it's, it's actually kind of a slight embracing of kind of, you know, your position to kind of lead you to a completely mm-hmm. different identity. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Like there's, I just feel like identity is such an important part of this episode. Like it's interesting too, just like little details, Vito, you know, like the babysitter that he has, like the kind of like hypersexualization that they have of her. I thought in the way that she is cast and actually shot like from above and like what she's wearing and well, no, because it's an arc. I feel like it's like a caricature, right? Of sexy babysitter, sexy babysitter that Vito is projecting. To people. It's just, it's a small detail of like Vito would choose to have this person to kind of hide his right. homosexuality. Right. It's a small detail. And same with having like a Gumar or whatever, right? Who he, exactly. ha- he hasn't slept with in a year. Right. So there's also like, there's identity, but then there's also kind of the like veneer of identity. Yeah. Like you can project yourself a certain way that's not actually yeah. reflective of who totally. you really are. Totally. And that question of your inner identity is such a key theme of this season what is your inner identity and that's hard and it's something that these main characters are really struggling with yeah and they are constantly projecting themselves in whatever way they want Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but i mean that's untenable right like and you know projecting yourself as something that you're not is not sustainable right right like you know and that's why i always you know i like tony going to a therapist yeah right like kind of trying to um, reconcile or uh, bring together these really varying parts of your identity and really asking the question of like, well, who am I? Because yeah. you can't you can't keep up a facade forever. It's yeah. not possible. Totally. I mean, even like the way that this episode like is... Like for- Yeah. You can't keep up this facade of being like a good <laughs> Sopranos character. Right. right. <laughs> it's impossible. I wonder how Noah Tenenbaum's doing. <laughs> sure he's doing great. sure he's doing great yeah sure he's yeah sure he's fine mm, i feel like this episode is actually kind of framed from the very beginning as dealing with these issues of inner identity and being confronted with mortality and dealing with who you are in the most kind of like primal important sense of like who you are at the end of your life like how mm-hmm. you would reflect on it like that first shot actually there's two trees that kind of frame tony mm-hmm. we see tony sitting and we see behind him trees and we see again wind blowing the leaves mm-hmm. and it's He's, the pool water yeah boat, by the pool boat. yeah but there's just so many symbols that have been boat established magazine. but that's the first thing we see in this episode and tony is surrounded he's literally framed by nature mm-hmm. and i feel like throughout this show that represents kind of people having to come to grips with these bigger questions and that's what tony's doing that's what vito's doing yeah Ultimately, everybody is doing that. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's a hard, it's hard to do that, right? Like, we even see, like, you know, Tony brings it up in his session with Melfi about, like, it's, what does he say? It's the regular life picking away at you. Right. You know, the stuff you own, your kids and what they want. Um, You know, we see him like that with the air conditioner, right? Like, he's, like, having this kind of, like, Well, that's important, actually. I think that, actually, that's an important moment. Like, Tony is literally putting his feet up trying to read this yachting book. And that's actually something that comes back in this episode. 
him putting his feet up. He also does it after he meets with Carlo. He puts his feet up in his reading Mm. and then still interrupts him. Right. So I think Tony is trying to relax, trying to be human, enjoy his, you know, enjoy his time, put his feet up, and he can't. He's constantly being brought out of that by these issues that are confronting him. In the beginning, it's literally the wind, which is a symbol of all these things that we've been talking about. Later on, indirectly, the issue with Vito is distracting him from being able to even do that. So every time he tries to literally put his feet up, he can't. And I think that that's important. And I think that the episode is set up with that, which is important to think about because you could be watching the show and it's entertaining and there's like a kind of like base level of, oh, that's kind of humorous. Tony's reading a book and he's dealing with the air conditioner like, wow, we all have to deal with that kind of mundane issue. But I think that it's much more important than that. It's actually setting up Tony's conflict between trying to live this everyday life, trying to relax and being brought out of it by these very important questions of identity. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's actually what plays into the Mm. whole episode. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think even it's reinforced by coming back. There's a connection between that scene and a later scene. Yeah. And I think it's just really interesting. No, that is interesting. Like, uh, the way you stated it was slightly different than me. And I kind of like that, like, these distractions, um, like these questions of identity that are the things that are, like, inhibiting you from living this life like this kind of facade life that you've set out yeah to lead to it's interesting yeah it's interesting i love this episode i think it's amazing um and if you had asked me what the standout episodes of 6a were i probably wouldn't have thought of this one live for your die live for your die i think it's an important episode and i just think it's just like a extremely well constructed great example of amazing sopranos the one question that I'm left with is, did they always have that big skull of a steed or whatever, that like cow <laughs> skull over the, top of the table at Sadrials in the background? That's a great question. Write us and let us know. If you've seen that skull at other points it's, in this show. The shots in that scene. There's some amazing camera work. Yeah. And an amazing eye too for the angles and the shots that they create. But I've just never so seen creative. that like longhorn Or maybe we bowl. have. I've never seen it. <laughs> or maybe you have. <laughs> Let us know. Let us know. If you've seen it somewhere else. On the show. I mean, yeah. And where did Vito get those ribs from? Where did Vito get the ribs? Yeah. Yeah. Dinosaur barbecue? Mm. Mm. <laughs> well, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. We, we have. We do. We have fun doing this. We do. Um, that's it. That's it. I think that's it. So thanks for listening. We'll be back hopefully on monday this week is particularly difficult and it's possible that we're going to need to skip monday and get back on thursday so if you're listening in real time hopefully we'll be back on monday but if we're not we're okay no need to email us and ask if we're okay you can, you can your, email us you can you can so. ask but we'll be fine yeah we'll we, be fine we had my dad's wedding last weekend mm. and now this weekend time with my in-laws so it's Right. Really, it's a really intense time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amongst a lot of other things going on. So, <laughs> fitting in Sopranos is very important. We're yeah. making it happen. We we actually like kind of try to kill ourselves to put out episodes. Yeah. Sometimes we were sometimes gonna we were gonna record hilarious. one last night, starting at twelve thirty when Alex got home. Right. Well, well, we were gonna start watching the show at twelve thirty when I got back from my yeah. gig, but. 
and then wake up early, but we're figuring out other ways, but it's not always easy. So yeah, but we care about it. <laughs> we care about it. We're going to try and stay on schedule, but summer's hard. So if we're not here on Monday, we'll be back Thursday. Yeah. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.